with us last week, then you know that we started a brand new series as we walk through the book of James together. Last week we looked at verses 1 through 4, and the summary is this, that in this life we will all have trouble, but those tr- that trouble and, and those trials, uh, they actually should cause us joy, because in those trials our faith is tested, and in the f- testing of our faith it produces endurance, and the endurance in us produces spiritual maturity. So the Bible really says that spiritual maturity uh, should be of infinite value to us, so much so that we actually take joy when we're going through a difficult time. Today we're going to look at verses 5 through 8, and there are three questions that I would love for you to write down and remember when we leave this morning. In fact, I want to show them to you right now, and, uh, and, and I want us to read them together in just a second. Uh, do I need wisdom? Have I asked God? Do I have faith? Let's say those three together. Do I need wisdom? Have I asked God? Do I have faith? These are the three questions that our scriptures today are going to lead us to. James chapter 1. Verse 5. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. An indecisive man is unstable in all. His way. So the first thing I would love for you to write down, number one, do I need wisdom? And the answer, of course, is yes. You, you need it for serious matters, but you also are going to find yourself in situations that you're like, how on earth did I get into this position? I have no idea what to do. Before we started the church, I worked at this great nonprofit ministry, and we uh, had an office in a, an old house. And one day we were there, and we noticed that some raccoons had actually taken up residence in the house. Now, normally you would call a, a pest control person, animal control uh, specialist, but I grew up in Missouri, and I thought, why don't I just try to save us a few hundred dollars, harken back to my DNA, and see if I can catch this thing myself. We actually had a trap out by the dumpster. And so I went into the fridge at work and I found cheese and peanut butter. And everybody knows that raccoons love cheese and peanut butter. And so I slapped those two things together, put it in the back of the trap, set the trap, put it up in the attic, went home. Uh, the next day I show up for work and, and I'd actually forgotten that I was hunting for things the day before and just went about my day normally until around lunchtime, somebody asked for a report. Did, like, did, did we catch anything in the trap? And I said, I totally forgot to check. Went up into the attic, and sure enough, in the trap was a raccoon. Now, my ego was bigger than the house at this point, And I came downstairs immediately, started doing a victory lap around the office. Just because, I mean, who knew when I was signing up for that job, all the things that they were getting. You know, I was just amazing. You know, here's the job description Raccoon Hunter was not on there, but yeah, that was a service that I was providing for them. I was so, so pumped about it, and I'm just walking around having a good time. Somebody asked, what are you going to do with it? I don't know. I'm a man. I didn't think that far ahead. Just think of one step at a time. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I had no idea what to do with it. But then I remembered James chapter 1, and I was like, I'm going to ask God. No, that's not what I did. I drove it to a a couple of neighborhoods over and let it out in that neighborhood. (laughs) 
So I'm sorry if you lived over there, but uh, it's your problem now. You're going to find yourself in situations like that where it's like, I don't know what to do. This is so ridiculous. How on earth did I get in this position? But there are, there are serious things on the opposite end of the spectrum. And some of you high school students, you're going to need wisdom for where you're going to go to college. Some of you need wisdom for, am I going to rent or am I going to buy? You need wisdom for, you know, we're having strain in our marriage. Talking to a few couples this week. and Not on the verge of divorce. No infidelity, just not seeing eye to eye, just some strain. You're going to need wisdom for that. So you are going to be first-time parents. You're going to need wisdom because you're going to spend a couple of days in the hospital and they're going to help you out a lot. And then they're going to put that little leaving being in the back of your car and just send you on your way. You're going to need wisdom. You're going to need wisdom with that child. Are we going to public school, private school, home school, Christian school, no school, what are we going to do? You know, you need wisdom for financial issues. You're going to need it for retirement. All along the way, you're going to need wisdom. And this scripture tells us that we just have to ask. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, do I need wisdom? You know, the Bible doesn't really give just one definition for wisdom. And I think that's because there's a supernatural element to it. But let's try it on. Proverbs chapter 3 gives us an idea, gives us a sense. More than a definition, it gives us a sense of what wisdom is all about. Proverbs 3 verse 13. Happy is a man who finds wisdom and who acquires understanding. For she, that's wisdom, is more profitable than silver and her revenue is better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant, and all her paths peaceful. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her, and those who hold on to her are happy. So let's just try wisdom on. This is the list right here. Gives happiness. It's more profitable than silver. It's better than gold. It's more precious than jewels. It gives long life. It gives riches and honor. It's pleasant. It's peaceful. It gives life. It gives happiness. And you'll notice that this passage is bookended by happiness. Verse 13, happy is the man who finds wisdom. Verse 18, and those who hold on to her are happy. So maybe if you feel like asking for wisdom is too spiritual of a question for you, maybe the better question is, do I want to be happy? Do I want to be happy? If the answer to that question is yes, then you follow it up with immediately, do I need wisdom? And the answer to that is yes. Which leads us to the next question I want you to remember this morning. Have I asked God? Have I asked God, James Chapter 1, verse 5. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, do I need wisdom? He should ask God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. Why should we ask God? Well, we should ask God because Proverbs chapter 3, verse 19 says that God founded the earth by wisdom, and he established the heavens by understanding. So he created this earth with his wisdom. So when we want to know how to navigate life on this earth, it makes total sense that we should go to the one who founded the earth by wisdom. Now, all of us agree on that. I mean, even probably 
unless you are the most hardcore atheist in here today, we all agree that when we need wisdom, we should ask God for wisdom, and yet very few of us actually do. Very few of us actually stop in moments of decision and say, God, I need wisdom. Can can you give me wisdom? Because wisdom is a habit. Asking for wisdom is a habit. Well, we all know habits. In fact, your phone is a habit. I brought my phone up here. And in fact, to prove to you that your phone is a habit, let me just challenge you. Could you go to your favorite app on your phone, whether it's uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, maybe it's the actual phone app, but not very many of us are actually calling people on the phone these days. Maybe it's your text message app, whatever it is on your phone. Could you go to it without even looking down at your phone? I just want you to think about it for just a second. I'm going to try it right here. My favorite app is the podcast app. Not even close. But theoretically, that would have worked. Because we could. Our phone is a habit. In fact, before you leave church today, you will get your phone out and you will check it. Now, no one will want to get a hold of you in these few hours that you've been at church. Everybody probably knows that you're at church. But still, you're going to check it. Then you're going to get on and check ESPN.com. Nobody's played any games since you last checked it, but you're going to check it again. You're going to check your tech, text your, you're going to check your text message app, even though you checked it five minutes ago. In fact, talking about it right now wants uh, you to pull it out of your phone to check. It. It's just a habit, and the way you know it's a habit is: Have you ever left it somewhere? Doesn't it feel awful? It feels like you're not wearing any pants. It's the equivalent. Some of you would rather not wear pants out in public than forget your phone. It's a habit. We check it all the time. Asking for wisdom is a habit. Checking in with God is a habit. This is really the only thing that separates you from those people that you consider wise. You know that person in your life that you're like, man, they are just so wise. They're so smart. They have so much understanding. The only difference between you and them is they stop and ask God for wisdom. How do I know that? Because we were all born the same way with zero wisdom. Zero. Amanda is pretty much nine months pregnant right now. So maybe even in this calendar month, we will have a new little girl entering our family. And she's going to be born lovely and beautiful and lacking wisdom. Here's how I know she's going to lack wisdom. Because she's not even going to go to the bathroom in the bathroom. <laughs> when it comes time for her to eat, I'm going to have to get a little tiny spoon. And I'm going to go... Because she's not going to even be smart enough, wise enough to feed herself. By this time next year, she probably still won't be wise enough to walk. And neither were you, and neither were I. We're all born with zero wisdom. But I think we look at people and we think, man, if I just had what they have, if I just knew what they knew, and the only difference between you and them is that they stop and ask, do I need wisdom? And then they ask God for that wisdom. And look how it says it will be given to us. Who gives to all generously, verse 5, And without criticizing. So when God gives wisdom, He gives it generously. Meaning He's not conflicted about it. 
This Father's Day, I bought my dad one of those trunks, those storage trunks that they sell at Academy, Gander Mountain. You know what style I'm talking about. And I bought it here, but we were headed to Missouri, and so I just put it in the back of our, uh, our SUV and, we're, you know, obviously give it to him in person. And, and I thought, well, since, you know, he's not using it on this road trip, I will go ahead and use it, and it would just make packing a little bit more efficient. And the more that I used it on the road trip, I thought, maybe I should just keep this for myself. <laughs> He doesn't know that I bought it. You know, Father's Day was a few days ago, but I called him, you know, so maybe I don't even need to get him a gift. And then maybe there'll be this, you know, one of those awesome gas stations where they might have something that he might want, you know, like in the old DVDs from 2001. There might be something that he's remotely interested in. Or maybe, I mean, can you give your dad cash for Father's Day? I I don't know, but because I really maybe want to keep this thing for myself. In the end, I, I did. Uh, I did give it to him, but I was conflicted about it. We've all given gifts where you're like, I, I want to give this, but I either want it for myself, or really, honestly, I don't want to give it to this person because I'm mad at them. They said something to hurt me, and I just feel obligated. We all know what it's like to give when we're conflicted about it, but when it comes to giving us wisdom, God has no conflict in his heart. He's just happy to give. He gives generously which means with singleness of heart. And then he gives without criticizing. Without criticizing. That means when you and I stop and ask a simple question, do I need wisdom? And then we go to God and ask God for that wisdom. He's not going to make you feel bad about needing wisdom. Opening the door for him to give you wisdom. Opening the door of acknowledging your need and my need. He's not going to shame us for that. I played on a baseball team growing up and there was a one, one kid on the team. He was by far and away the worst player. Just absolutely the worst. Hands down, he was awful. Good kid. Awful at baseball. And he played left field. I played shortstop, so he was always right behind me. And maybe because he was so awful, his dad, during the whole game, would stand by the left field fence So just about 10 yards from his son, and he would shout out instructions to him the whole game. So when a pop fly was coming, not only is our coach yelling, uh, but uh, his dad would be yelling at him. To the left, to the left, no, to the right, forward, backward. And then heaven forbid that he would mess up, which he did about 50% of the time. Drop the ball, let it go through his legs, and then you would hear his dad chirping at him. I can't believe you. Uh, We practiced this. I told you to get down. I told you to keep your hands up. I told you to look at the ball all the way into your glove. That's unbelievable. We do this every game. What's the matter with you? Just shame, 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 shame. And I would guess a lot of us have that view of God. That yeah, I need from Him. I need instruction for Him. But the very fact that I need that instruction gives him permission to come along the fence and yell out to me. In fact, that's how you think God communicates with you. If I ask you if God had a face-to-face conversation with you today, pulled up a chair, knee-to-knee, eye-to-eye, I think most of us feel like that's the way he would speak to us. Left, left. No, I said to the left. More to the left. To the right. Why didn't you go right? What's the matter with you? Haven't I given you so many good gifts? Haven't I cared for you? Haven't I looked out for you? Didn't I send my one and only son to die for you? And you make these simple mistakes over and over and over again. I thought we'd been through this. I thought we talked about this. 
When most of us think about the way God speaks, that's the voice that we hear. But the word here is when we need wisdom, that's not how God comes to us. He comes to us with freedom in his heart. And he comes to us without shame, without criticism. He's not going to make you feel bad, make me feel bad. Because we needed wisdom in the first place. Then the last thing I want you to write down. Do I need wisdom? Have I asked God? Do I have faith? Do I have faith? But let him ask, verse 6, in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. An indecisive man is unstable in all his ways. Your version of the Bible may translate verse 8 as a double-minded man. Because that's the picture here of somebody who asks for wisdom on one hand, but doesn't seem interested in it on the other hand. And he said he's like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. Meaning it's a person in a boat with no clear direction. They're not headed anywhere. They're just letting the waves uh, take them whichever direction the waves take them. Circumstances, other people's criticism, whatever it is. They're unstable in their ways. It's kind of a hard verse to understand, especially in the context of wisdom. But I actually think there's a really good picture that will help us see it with clarity. Take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 19. It's the story of a young man came and asked an important and genuine question to Jesus. Matthew 19, verse 16. Just then someone came and asked him, Teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? He said to him, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He asked him. Jesus answered, Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as yourself. I have kept all of these, the young man told him. What do I still lack? If you want to be perfect, Jesus said to him, go sell your belongings and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And when the young man heard that command, he went away grieving because he had many possessions. So I think here we, we see a living picture of James 1, verses 6, 7, and 8. Because this young man has enough faith in Jesus to come and ask a genuine question. His genuine question is, is, is how do I know for sure that I have eternal life? I've tried doing all of these good things. I've tried following all these commands, but still I don't have any security and confidence in my own soul. I, I got this question. I have enough faith to go to Jesus and ask it. So he comes and asks, and Jesus says, you've tried all this other stuff. Why don't you try this? Go and sell everything that you have and give the money to the poor. And he says that he goes away very sad because he had a lot of possessions. So on one hand, he had enough faith to ask Jesus. On the other hand, he didn't have enough faith to obey Jesus. See, that's the reality when we ask God for wisdom. God might give us wisdom that we might have to obey. But that's not really in our culture. 
In fact, we've all encouraged one another when we're, we're going to people who are hurting, when are, they're having a hard time, when they've experienced maybe loss or are frustrated in life, right? We always say, you know, hey, don't even bother saying anything. Just being there is enough. Just being there. Just, you know, just listen. And that, that's really good advice if you're the friend. But I think we've taken the advice um, too far, I think. Because now we have this posture of, when we're the one going through it, I just want to be heard. I don't want to be counseled. I, I just want to vent. I don't actually want to be given the way out of it. You ever tried to counsel somebody who didn't want to be counseled? They just wanted to be heard? And I think that, that overflows into our relationship with God. God, I need wisdom. Really what we wanted was not wisdom, just uh, second opinion. We just want to be heard. We didn't actually want to be commanded. But look at how this story ends. When the young man heard that command. When you ask God for wisdom, He's going to give you wisdom. That wisdom is not going to be a suggestion. It's not going to be, here are four options that are pretty good options. Just feel free to choose any one. It might come with the specific command to obey. And the question you and I have to ask ourselves as we ask God for faith is, do I not have, have enough faith not just to ask, but also to obey? Turn a few pages to the left to Matthew chapter 12. Do I need wisdom? Have I asked God? Do I have faith? <coughs> Matthew chapter 12, verse 38, Jesus is talking to some scribes and some Pharisees. They're the religious elite of the day, and they want a sign from Jesus. And, and Jesus said, you know, there's not going to be any sign given to you except for the sign of Jonah. And you remember the story of Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the whale belly of the giant fish for three days and he spit out onto the dry land. And he said, this is the sign that's going to be given to you. Essentially, Nineveh, the town that Jonah was supposed to prophesy against, they're actually going to stand in judgment over you because the grace that's been poured out to you, the opportunity that's been poured out to you was not poured out to them and offered to them. They're actually going to stand on the judgment day and criticize you. And then he goes on, Using another example, verse 42, the queen of the south, that's the queen of Sheba. Jesus is referencing back to a story in Israel's history. It's written about in 1 Kings chapter 10, where the queen of Sheba, um, the, the Egyptian queen, she comes to Solomon because Solomon was the wisest man who had ever lived. God had given him that gift. He was wise and his wisdom was world-renowned. And so she comes just to soak it all up. It says, the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment, Jesus is saying this, with this generation, and condemn it. Because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And look, something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus says, that queen, she's going to judge you guys because all she got was the wisdom of Solomon. But something even better than Solomon is here. Last night I was praying uh, and just finishing up my message. That's what I do on Saturday nights. Just try to pull all the strings together. And sometimes it weaves into something better than others. And, uh, and so I'm praying and just trying to do the work. And, and, and just asking, you know, ask Jesus, you know, if, if you were me tomorrow, what would you say? And, uh, 
And then it was like, well, I would say it better. You know, I'm like, well, I know, I know. I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. He does without criticizing, right? without shame. Right? I'm like, what would you say? And then, you know, you've been around the Gospels enough. Even if you're not a churchgoer, you've been around the Gospels enough. I just kind of started picturing it in my mind. Jesus walking into a gathering in his, in his day and somebody hands him the scroll of James and and he unrolls the scroll and he reads the first few verses and he gets to our verses 5, 6, 7, and 8. And he reads it and he rolls it back up and hands it back to the person. And now it's time for his teaching on it. But all, all he would say, thinking about the wisdom in the scripture, is, is I am the wisdom of God. I think that's Jesus' message about wisdom would be. I am the wisdom of God. Because I don't want anybody to get confused this morning that wisdom is about how to improve your life. Three steps to better finances. Four steps to better kids by Friday. Two steps to the marriage you've always wanted. That's not the heart of the wisdom we're talking about today. Something greater than that kind of wisdom is here. And his name is Jesus. So as you and I stop and ask those three simple questions, do I need wisdom? Have I asked God? And do I have faith? We remember at the end of the day, it's Jesus. So Jesus, be glorified as I order my life according to the wisdom of your word and your way. And Jesus, be glorified in my life as I apply that wisdom to my very real life at work and at home and among my relationships. Because I don't want any queen to stand up one day and say, you got the helpful information. You got the well-ordered life, but something greater than Solomon was among us. Something greater than the wisdom of the world was among us. The wisdom of God, Jesus. Let's pray. So Jesus, we honor you today. We honor you as the king of every king and the Lord of every Lord. And we honor you today as wisdom with human flesh. And we look to you. We look to you. And I pray that we would not miss the greater thing that's among us today. We pray that uh, you would just stir in us now what you are trying to say to us. In a spirit of prayer, could you just start with that first question? Do you need wisdom? Just in the quietness of your own heart and mind, thinking about all that you're carrying today. Do you need wisdom? Have you asked God? Just in the stillness of this moment, just take that opportunity. Ask God for wisdom. Find the faith to not just ask, but also obey. God, I pray that this family, this community here, would be marked by wisdom. 
pray that that wisdom would make us stand out as lights shining in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation, according to Philippians chapter 2. And among it, we would shine like stars. God, even as a family together, corporately, as Bayou City, we say we need your wisdom. Could you give it to us freely? We'll go to the left. We'll go to the right. We'll move forward. We'll stay. Whatever it is, we want your way among us. In Jesus' name we pray.